Can you hear me okay? All right. Uh, or should I say bonus dias? Right? Do you, do you know where that language is? Yes, yeah. What, what it is, they, I've been told that when you get to my time of life, uh, by that I mean retirement or semi-retirement, it's, it's good to do one of two things, either to, to learn a language or to, to learn an instrument. And I thought, I've always liked the Spanish language, so um, what, what I'm doing, just a, just a Dan is yawning already, and I haven't even started, but never mind. <laughs> um, I've, always wanted, I've always loved the Spanish language, and I said if I, I was to learn a language, it would be the Spanish language. So I've got something on my mobile, and just a few minutes each day, just learning a little bit of language, language Spanish. So if I should, in the middle of my sermon, start to speak fluently in, in Spanish, you'll, you'll understand what's going on. I got, a, I got a book, Carl was talking about simple-minded things and so on, and I, I certainly identify with this, and I got a book on Spanish, and it's called Spanish for Dummies. <laughs> and I, I looked at it, and I say, how appropriate is that for me, Spanish for Dummies. Um, so a new challenge in your life. I'm always up for new challenges, aren't you? And even in my time of life, just uh, maybe pick up a little bit of the Spanish language can't be um, a, a bad thing. For those who go to the um, Truth Project, um, going back about six months ago, we, we looked at the book of Joshua, and I briefly highlighted a particular story from uh, the book of Joshua. And so if you have your Bible with you, or if you've got your, the Bible on your mobile, turn with me to Joshua chapter 7, Joshua chapter 7, and we'll read the, the first 12 uh, verses. And once again, I'm looking to Colin. Colin, if I speak over 30 minutes, just throw something at me or do something to get my attention, okay? Joshua chapter 7. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ahai, which is near beth to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ahai. And when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the people will have to go up against Ai, send two or three thousand men to take it. Do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about three thousand men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? 
if only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh Lord, what can I say now? That Israel has been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites, and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against the enemies. They turn their backs on one because they have been liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. God's blessing uh, be upon his word. Well, Bible scholars tell us that uh, when the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan, that land that was promised to them by God, uh, Bible scholars tell us that it took approximately seven years before Israel occupied the land and got a real foothold in the, in the land. Uh, those nations that were in there, they were not going to go without uh, a fight. How many know that the Christian life is it's not a playground, it is a battleground? Carl referred to it already this morning. We are, we are, we are in a fight. And so those seven nations, they were not going to be easy to dislodge. But God said, I, I will dislodge them for you. And during that seven years, during all those battles, only one defeat is recorded for us. And that's the defeat that I have read to you this morning, the, the defeat at, at Ai. They went up to fight Ai, and I was almost going to say they got their butts kicked. Is that all right? No, they, they is that swearing? It's not swearing, is it? No. Boy, they got, they got hammered. 36 of, of the men who went up died. That was the only defeat that is recorded for us. Now you may say, well, what has that got to do with our Christian lives today? What, what are you trying to say, Jim? Well, if you come to the New Testament, there's various verses of Scripture. For instance, Romans 15 tells us that the Old Testament stories were written for our learning, that we might learn some things. The same thought is in 1 Corinthians 10 and 6, that the things that happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament, they were examples to us. And I believe that, that what we learn from this story at AI is a very simple one, and it is this, that God wants us to win. Is that okay? You believe that? That, you know, God doesn't want to, us to live our, our lives in, in a cycle of, 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 of defeat. He wants us to take land. He, he wants us to win. But if we are honest, all of us have got to say that from time to time, we have had defeats in our lives. I've got to put up my hand and I've got to say that Jim McGlade has had defeats in his life. But I do not believe that that's God's intention, that we should be in a cycle of defeat all of the time. He wants us to win. He wants us to take the land. How about a little bit of football trivia? All right? No Paul and asking Carl because he's pretty useless when it comes to football. In, 19, in 1966, 
Uh, England won the greatest prize in world football. Can anybody tell me what it is? It was, it was the World Cup. Wow. What a, yeah, give it, woohoo. What a day that was. I don't know where England would have been since then, but never mind. Now, here's the trivia. Can anybody tell me who was the first team to beat England after they won the World Cup? Can anybody tell me? It was Scotland. <laughs> Is there any Scottish here? Is there any Sc every, yeah, every time I tell this story, you know, Scottish eyes just brighten up. They beat in the old, we burst their bubble at Wembley. Three turn, and I remember the day Dennis Law was there, a fantastic Manchester United player, if you like Manchester United. But they were there, and wow, what a game it was. But the following day in the newspaper, there was a picture of Alan Ball. Do you remember Alan Ball? Great little midfield player for, for England. And he was coming off the pitch, and he was wiping the sweat from his brow, and underneath was the caption, the taste of bitter defeat. I always remember that. I think too many Christians live their lives with the taste of defeat in our mouths, and that's not the will of God. So what did we learn from this story? Defeat at Ahai. Lessons from a defeat. All right, just a, just, just a few things. Uh, I remember uh, when we're going through the book of Joshua, I remember Carl referred to this story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a, a different slant to it. Uh, that's the wonderful thing about the Bible, isn't it? You, you come back to it and you see something different, but it's God's word, and God's word is always relevant. And the first thing I want to notice is this. What preceded this defeat? What preceded this defeat for the Israelites? Notice what it says here. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and tell them, told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it. Do not weary all the people. Only a few men will have to go. Incidentally, Ai, it was a very small place in comparison to Jericho, just something about 12,000 in inhabitants. Now, here's a very interesting study in, in contrast. If you go to uh, Numbers chapter 13, which was 40 years previous to this incident, Moses sent out some spies. He said, go and spy the land of Canaan. Come back. Tell us what you see. And they came back and they said, wow, you want to see the guys there? They're, we were like grasshoppers. It's, it's too much for us. We just can't go in there and take this land. And only two men, Joshua and Caleb, they said, don't worry about this. We'll, we'll have these guys for breakfast. No problem. Not, not that they were literally going to have them for breakfast. But what he was saying, we're going to consume them. So they came back with a report, and they said, it's too hard for us. But when these spies returned, they came back, and they said, too easy. Hey, don't trouble all the people. There was hundreds of thousands of fighting men. But look, just, just send, send out a few. We'll take them. We'll take them. They, 
It was a bit like it was a bit like in the Wizard of Oz. Remember the cowardly lion? He says, I'll, I'll fight you. I'll take you with one hand tied behind my back. They thought, it's going to be easy. No problem. We'll just wipe them out. What they failed to realize was it was God that, and not only that, but wasn't Jericho behind them? Didn't they just have a great victory at Jericho? So, yeah, and it was a much bigger place than the, the place Ahai. So there, there's going to be no problem. But what they failed to realize that was that the reason that why they had victory at Jericho was because of Yahweh God. God was with them. God was amongst them. But yet they go to Ai with a, a degree of self-confidence. You know what? It's a dangerous thing to underestimate our enemies. We, we are in this battle. We're in this battle with circumstances. We're in this battle with the world, the flesh, and, and, and the devil. And it's a dangerous thing to underestimate them. Friends, we need grace. We need God's help. If we're going to pull off this Christian life, we, we need the help and we need the strength of God. I don't often post things on, on Facebook, but I, I got something and it was a picture of a, a, a lion and, and on the top of it it said, I, I am strong, but then under the picture of this lion it said, but I, I still need God's strength. How many, how many, <laughs> there's only boxers here this morning, how many remember Muhammad Ali? Possibly, yeah, possibly pound for pound, the greatest boxer that, uh, that ever lived. Uh, he was a fantastic entertainer, wasn't he, really? Most people wanted to see somebody just knocking his block off, but he was a great entertainer and a great boxer. And on one occasion, in the, in the height of Muhammad Ali's fame, he was on board this, this airplane, and everybody was fastening their seatbelts, and the, the airplane stewardess came to him and said, well, uh, will you please fasten your seatbelt? Seat and, and Muhammad Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And then the stewardess said, Superman don't need no airplane. <laughs> look, look, Muhammad Ali... He, he needed that airplane like we need grace. Oh, friends, I, I can't stress this enough. We need grace. Yeah, we can be confident, but don't be overconfident. In fact, that contrast between the spies that Moses sent out and the spies that Josh has, it's an interesting contrast, isn't it? Because the first guys, the spies that Moses sent out, they had no confidence at all, and, and the other guys, they were just a little bit too confident. And so we need, to, we need to strike that balance in our lives, don't we? Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come with confidence to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. Whatever battles you are in, whatever circumstances you're facing, friends, you need grace. 
just say rubbish or amen or something like I don't care, but just, yeah, a smile, a nod, that's fine. We need grace. And friends, if you think you can pull off this Christian life in the power of your own strength, then, <laughs> um, well, well, you're wrong. You can't do it. So what preceded? What preceded their defeat? It was their, their self Now, secondly, what, what followed their defeat? Now, notice what it says here. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone court. And then in verse 6 says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to My, what a scene he was making! Before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till the evening. Wow, can you just imagine? Here's the ark of the covenant. There's Joshua just lying with his face to the ground. Uh, the elders joined with him, and they were throwing dust up into the air. My, what a scene. What a commotion. What was this all about? But extreme, isn't it? What pre- preceded, we've looked at that, but what followed their defeat was this. There was a sense of outrage. You know, it was almost as if Joshua was saying, God, this wasn't a part of the script. This, this wasn't supposed to happen. In fact, in fact, if you just go back a couple of chapters to the first chapter, this is what God said to Joshua. Joshua 1 verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Moses. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Notice that. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. But here he's in a situation. Wow. What happened here? There was a sense of real Outrage. This wasn't supposed to be a part of the script. He didn't have a blasé attitude that said, well, you know, you win some and you lose some. I'm getting, my throat's getting a bit dry. I knew one preacher, if you ever saw anybody nodding, he got the water and he just flew it right over the congregation. Are you up for this, are you? <laughs> come on, come on, there. Would somebody dare me that I'll do it? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything. It's ridiculous. There's some Australian guy, I remember. Those Aussies, they do silly things, don't they? Yeah. You know, unless I'm, unless I'm reading my Bible wrong, God has promised us successful lives as Christians, hasn't he? God has said, you know, that per- perpetual defeat is, is not my will, is not my plan for your life. Unless I'm reading my Bible right. It, it says in, in, in Peter's Gospel, he says, His power has given us everything that we need to live a successful life. Now that's the promise of God, isn't it? Uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 14 says, it says that sin will not have dominion over you. Now, uh, I hope the PA have got this, but I, I love this verse of Scripture. It's taken from the Phillips translation. 
um, of the Bible. I hope Maria's got it there. It's taken from Romans chapter 5. And uh, I, I, I just love this. For if one man's offense meant that men should be slaves to death all their lives, it is a far greater thing that through another man, Jesus Christ, men by their acceptance of his more than sufficient grace and righteousness should live all their lives like kings. Isn't that good? Live all our lives like kings. But sometimes, if we're honest, the promise seems to be far short from the reality that we have in our lives. This is what God says of us. I mean, Joshua would say, God, didn't you say this? But, but this is the reality. And couldn't we say God promises this for us, but this is the reality in our lives, and it's not quite as it should be. And so what followed their defeat? Their there was a sense of real outrage. Friends, if we're living, if we're, if we're in a cycle of continual defeat, it doesn't have to be that way because God has promised us something better that, than that. So there was a sense of real outrage. And then also there, there was a concern for God's name. Notice what it says. Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites? Oh, Lord, what can I say now? That Israel has been routed by its enemies. The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from earth. What then will you do for your own great name? We, as God's people, we are linked with God's name. Guess what? God's name is upon us, isn't it? When, when people view our lives and see our lives, we should be a reflection of, of the God that we serve and the God that we love. To such an extent that when we are defeated, it's almost a, a reflection upon God. And when we have victories and successes, it's a reflection upon the God that we serve. And, and that's what Joshua was concerned about. What will people think about your great name now that we've been defeated before uh, your, your enemies? Friends, if we, if we leave the service this morning with, with anything and with any thought, let it be this, that the name of God is upon his people and we are so connected with God that our defeats almost become his defeats and our victories become his victories. The Queen, Her Majesty the Queen, has a lot of army regiments that carry her name. For instance, the, the Royal Scot Dragoon Guards. Glad I got that one out. The Royal Scot Dragoon Guards. The Queen's Regiment. If we would live our lives in such a way that we want to bring glory to our God, then maybe we would have less defeats in our lives. What preceded? There was this sense of Self-confidence. We can't do it on our own. We need God's grace. We need God's help. What, 
what followed it, there was, there was an outrage because this wasn't God's plan. There was a concern for God's name. And you, when you come to the nitty-gritty of this story, we, we ask ourselves another question. What, what rectified it? I, I love this story. The Lord said to Joshua, he was there, he had been lying on his face all day, and God said, get up. <laughs> You've been on your face too long. Israel has sinned. Deal with the problem. And so Joshua gets up, and, 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 you, know, and you know the story. The, the problem was, was linked to a, a fellow by the name of uh, Achan, who, who, who took something that God said you are not to take. And he says, because of that, Israel is defeated. And, and until you, you deal with this issue here, uh, you'll carry on being defeated and, until the sin is, is dealt with. Now, I, I, I still believe passionately, friends, that, it, that in the battle that, that we have against the world, the flesh, and the devil, we, we need God's grace. But in addition to that, sometimes, you know, we have to deal ruthlessly with the things that are causing defeat in our lives. Don't show them any mercy. You just deal with it. Let me put it this, as, as simply as I can. Whatever stops you taking the land for Jesus, whatever thwarts the purposes of God in your life, Whatever stops you becoming more like Jesus, deal with it. Don't pander it. Pulverize it. Don't befriend it. Bury it. Don't entertain it. Eradicate it. Did you like that, Carl? Yeah? See that? You've got to be ruthless with them. Some, and they might be innocent things, you know. They might be. Could be a, could be a simple hobby, but it's keeping you back from your, your destiny in God. You know, and you've got to do something about it. You, you've got to deal with it. You've got to lay it to rest. Because your destiny is there, taking the land for Jesus. When, um, a number of years ago, I'm, I've been, as you know, in church ministry well over 40 years now, um, but there was a, a stage in ministry when I, I had a job to supplement the, the, the church, well, the money that the church was giving to me. And I had this job where I, I delivered brand new cars, brand new Subarus to journalists. And I left the I left the Subaru car with the journalist for one week, and then I'd go back and I'd, I'd, I'd pick it up, and then they would do an article on, on, uh, on, on the Subaru. And I, I, I know this goes out on, on, on YouTube, but if there's any Subaru dealer you know, is watching this now, and, and I'm, I'm giving the plug for Subaru cars. They're a great car to, to, to drive, and I had one until somebody smashed into the back of it, but that's going back many years ago. But I remember... How I used to make my money, do you, do you remember when people used to hitchhike? Do you? you don't see it now, do you? I used to do it all the time. That's where I made my money. So I would go to uh, some junction. I'd have, my, I'd, I'd have my license plate or I'd have a tax diff. And, and 
I, I always got a lift. <laughs> Without, it must have been my charm. They must have just looked at me and said, look at that guy. You know. But I, but I always got a lift. But it was very interesting, the kind of vehicles that went past me. And I, I remember one, one day this vehicle went past me, and it was a, it was a dye cleaning uh, company. And on the back of it, and I always remember, I, I seem to recall I wrote down, uh, it, it says, we die to live, and we live to die. And the more we die, the more we live. And the more we live, the more we die. You think about it, it's, that's good theology, actually. We, there's certain things in our lives that we need to die to. And when we begin to die to these things, we begin to live the life that God wants us to live. And we get ourselves out of this cycle of endless defeat. We die to live. And we live to die. I had many an interesting conversation with truck drivers and people who picked me up and showed compassion on me and saved myself, a, made myself a lot of money through doing this. Actually, that's a bit of my history, okay? It's totally un, irrelevant to what I'm talking about this morning, but I thought you might like to know about it anyways, all right? <laughs> Time is going by. I got a verse of scripture I want to read to you. In, in this chapter, chapter, chapter 7, if you go later into the chapter, you, you read the story that they took, um, they took Achan. They, they, I, I mean, you read these Old Testament stories and you say, wow, they were ruthless. You know, why, uh, we read them today and we say, what, what's, what's, what's going on here? But they took Achan, who did something that he shouldn't have done, and that was the reason why they were defeated. And then all Israel stoned him. It's here in God's word, right at the very end of the chapter. And after they had stoned uh, uh, the rest, they, they, they did other things. And over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of stones and rocks, which remain to this day. And then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of, of Acre ever since. Incidentally, Acre means the Valley of Trouble. And actually, I remember Joshua said, you brought trouble to Israel this day, and now God's going to bring trouble to you. What is interesting about that verse of Scripture, that if you go back into one of the minor prophets, Hosea, the, the, the prophet Hosea, chapter, chapter 2 and verse 14, it, it says this. Now listen very carefully to this. There I will give her back her vineyards, and will make the valley of Achor, the same valley that we're looking at, a door of hope. So what God was saying through the prophet Hosea is that the valley of Achor will become a door of hope. And your valley, where you've dealt with issues in your life that are preventing you to go forward and move forward in your Christian world, friends, when you deal with that, that, that very thing becomes a door of hope. And you go out. And you begin to live the life that God has, has called you to live. A door of hope in the valley of Acre. So look, hands on heart. All of us have got to say that we have suffered defeats in our lives. 
when the difficulties of life uh, hit the fan, we, we know we've had our defeats, the world, the flesh, the devil, circumstances, friends, in, in, in all of those things. Let's not have self-confidence in our, in our own ability. Let's, let's rely on God's strength. Friends, I, I, I've been going through something of this last number of years. <laughs> I tell you, it's grace keeps us going. Grace. We need grace in all the battles of life. And when we fight in those battles, let's remember God's honor. I, I trust him. Putting up a good show for Jesus. And let's deal with anything, anything that, that thwarts the purpose of God in our lives. Let's lay them to rest. And uh, let's go on. And they, they left Ahai and they went on and they had victory after victory after victory. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you. Lord bless you.